Good evening. Welcome to Mountain Avenue Baptist Church. So glad that you have joined us tonight. It was a great morning this morning. It's fantastic just to have Pastor back with us. We certainly missed him when he was gone. And just a phenomenal message out of the book of Isaiah today. How we can have victory in, in this life only because God's there to help us. And uh, if you missed out on that, let me encourage you to make sure to go back and to listen to that message. But uh, thankful for tonight and the time that we have together here. And want to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. And then we're going to jump right into God's word. So if you have your Bibles there, you can take it out, turn to Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah chapter number four tonight, concluding our study that we've done on this book. So Jonah chapter number four. But as you're turning there, we're going to go ahead and just begin with a word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you. For all that you did this morning, thank you for the message that was preached this morning. I thank you how it spoke to my heart. And God, I just pray that you would be with us just during this time. God, would you challenge us through your word as we look at Jonah. We look at a problem that he dealt with that all of us deal with from time to time. And God, I pray you'd help us to have victory. We love it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jonah chapter number four is where we're going to be at today. And what we're going to look at, we've looked at Jonah chapter number one. God has a call on Jonah's life. But he wants to go doing his own, his own thing. We looked at the fact when we disobey God, there are always consequences. And Jonah, certainly a great example of the consequences that come from disobedience to God. As he is thrown out of the ship in the storm, hits the water, swallowed by a great fish. And that's where we looked, picked him up in Jonah chapter number 2. And he prays out to God. And we looked at the power of prayer. And how we can have that same access to God as anybody. Pastor was saying this morning, there, there is nobody in the church that has more access to God than anybody else. We all have the same access to Him that have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And then we looked at last Sunday night, the message that Jonah takes to the people of Nineveh. And we see a great revival break out. And that's where we're going to pick up Jonah chapter number 4. But see, there's a problem in Jonah chapter 4. I don't know how many of you are, are watch Disney movies uh, with children. I've watched a lot of them. I don't know what your favorite Disney movie is of all time. But you know the truth with, with Disney movies and movies like that? Here, here's one of the truths. There's always a happy ending. Right at the end of the movie, everybody, things were looking scary. Things were looking terrible. But at the end, everything works out. Well, you know, when we come to Jonah chapter number four, we don't see a happy ending. It would have been much better if this book could have just ended in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 10 when it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. If it ended right there, man, what a, what a great prophet. Jonah made a mistake, got right, and saw a great revival. But it continues in Jonah chapter number 4. And here's what we're going to see in Jonah chapter number 4. A selfish prophet. A selfish prophet. If you're there, look in verse number one. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. What displeased Jonah exceedingly? The fact that the people turned to God, and God did not judge the people. You see, that wasn't what Jonah wanted. And because Jonah didn't get what he wanted, Jonah's going to begin to pout. Now, we've seen this with children, right? You've got that two-year-old that doesn't get what they want, and they start screaming and throwing a fit. As adults, we, we don't do that. But the selfishness is still there. The tendency to begin to pout is still there. We just internalize things a lot better. 
So Jonah is going to be upset that God has not destroyed this city of Nineveh. He's going to be selfish. You know, selfishness is something we all deal with. 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then in verse number 2 it says this, Men shall be lovers of their own selves. People will focus on themselves, and when they don't get what they want, they'll be upset about it. i got to be honest. That's something i got to deal with. All of us do. Because we want our own way and we don't want, when we don't get our own way, there is that tendency to just be upset about it. A great acrostic for joy. If you want joy in your life, Jesus first, others second, and then yourself last. Too often we're going to put ourselves first and then worry about everything else later. The two great commandments that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 39 says, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the first is like unto it. Or I mean, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these hang all the law and the prophets. That acronym for joy, Jesus, others, you, is basically what Jesus said right here. You put God first, then you love others. And then in the end, you make sure that you're taken care of. Now, when I say that, I do not mean that we should never worry about ourselves. You know, it's not often that we have to think about not worrying about ourselves because most of the time, the person we're looking out for the most is ourselves. But we've got to make sure that Jesus first and others are second. A reporter asked Abraham Lincoln during his presidential run for office there if he feared any of his opponents. Abraham Lincoln said this, yes, yes, there's one that I fear. Now the reporter's like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to get a great scoop here. Who is it that you fear? And this is what Abraham Lincoln said. If I am defeated, I will be defeated by a man named Lincoln. You know, in my own life, when I focus on myself, that's when I'm going to be defeated. When I just care about myself, that's when I'm not going to have victory. I've got to look to others. Not only do we see a selfish prophet, we're going to see an angry prophet. Look at with me in verse number two. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you get what he's saying here? You know, we wonder, we talked about it and we looked at Jonah chapter number one. Why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? Here's the reason why. He did not want to go to Nineveh because he was afraid if he went to Nineveh that God would forgive them. That the people would turn and that they would trust in God and God would not destroy them. And Jonah is saying here, I wanted these people dead. I mean, that's what he's saying. This is pretty harsh. This, when I read this, this is sounding like an angry person to me. He wants them judged. He does not want them forgiven. One of the amazing things is that verse number 11 is God's going to respond to him. He's going to tell him this. There's 120,000 people in this city that do not know their right hand from their left. What does that mean? They, they, they're children. They don't know. And Jonah's sitting here saying, I want them dead. When I read this, here's the word that comes to mind, hate. Hate. He hates them. 
Why does he hate them? The Bible doesn't say. But he's angry at them. And because he's angry, we see a prophet. Again, Jonah is a prophet of God. This should be the greatest achievement that he's been a part of. He has seen a capital city of, of Assyria, Nineveh. He's seen them turn back to God. And he was the one that had a part in this. He should be rejoicing at what God is doing. Not up here saying, God, I want you to kill me because of what you've done. Hate. Why, you ever wonder why, why doesn't the Bible tell us what it is that made Jonah hate these people in Nineveh so much? I believe sometimes the Bible is purposely leaves things out. Well, not, it always purposely, there's nothing in the Bible by accident or nothing left out by accident. But I believe the purpose behind that is so that we can't compare. Because in our own lives, we can have a Nineveh. We can have somebody or a group of people that we are so angry at, that we want God to judge, that we've allowed bitterness to come into our hearts. And when we read a book like Jonah chapter 4 and, and we see Jonah saying this, we can judge Jonah and say, Jonah, you need to just get over it. But if we knew why it was, we would compare ours and be like, well, you're hurt. Jonah's not nearly as bad as mine. So who is your Nineveh? Who are you angry at? Who can you not forgive? Hebrews 12, 15 compares it to a root of bitterness. A root. It's growing. All of us have had to pull weeds before. You know when you pull that weed, when it's small, it's pretty easy. You ever had to pull those saplings of a tree? Sometimes when they're small, you can just walk up, pull it out. Maybe they've gotten a little bit bigger. Now it's going to take maybe a little bit of shovel. But you go out to a, one of these trees that's been there for a while, a shovel's not helping you. It, it's going to be hard. Because the longer it's there, the deeper it goes. The deeper it goes, the bigger it is. The bigger it is, the harder it will be to get out of your life. That's what happens with bitterness. When we allow bitterness to come in, Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says this, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Proverbs 14, 17, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. We all know that we're not to be angry at somebody. But again, I believe there's times in all of our lives where we've struggled with this very issue. So how... Can, be, can we not be angry? How can we forgive the person that has hurt us? Whatever has happened, somebody in Nineveh has hurt Jonah. And he's so angry, he wants them wiped off the face of the earth. How can we not be angry? I want to give you just a few thoughts today. Remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Jonah is mad at, the, at God for the same thing that Jonah needed a few weeks ago. Why is Jonah mad at God? Look, look at what he says in verse number three. There, look, verse number two, I'm sorry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my same when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art, look what he says, a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. 
You know what Jonah's upset about God? God, you're merciful. God, you're slow to anger. I knew you were like this. But remember just a few weeks ago, Jonah's on a ship. The wind and the waves are coming. And the men on the ship think they're all going to drown. And they pick him up and they throw him into the water. You know what Jonah needed at that very moment? A merciful, a gracious, a long-suffering God. And you know what he found at that moment? A merciful, a gracious, and a long-suffering God. As from out of the water came a whale that swallowed him. And when we picked it up in Jonah chapter number 2, remember what he cries out to God for? God, will you forgive me? And you know what he found? A merciful, gracious, long-suffering God. You see, God, God's been merciful to any, every single one of us. And because of that mercy, we should extend it. Colossians 3.13 says this, For bearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Ephesians 4.31-32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I love these two verses when it talks about forgiveness because God is saying, here's why you forgive. Because I've forgiven. I've forgiven you. Now you can forgive. Now, does that mean that forgiveness is easy? No. There are some times in life where we argue and we get upset about silly things. And those we just need to let go. But some listening, there's big things in your life. Somebody's really done something wrong. And how do you make sure that anger and, and that bitterness does not get in your life? You've got to remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. Don't forget how merciful he's been to you. How gracious he's been to you. Don't ever forget that. We need forgiveness and God's given it to us. Mark eleven twenty six 26 says this, But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. That's a big deal. I've got to forgive so God will forgive me. But not only do we need to remember what God has done, we need to remember what his job is and what ours is. Here's what God's job is. He will repay. He will repay. In fact, later on, you know what you're going to find out? Nineveh will be destroyed. Not too long after, they're going to go back to their old ways and God will judge them. But that's God's job to judge, not mine. Romans 12, 19 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. I mean, that's God's job. We look at it as our job. If somebody does something wrong to me, I've got to repay them. But I've got to let God do that. Now let me say this, and I want to be very clear. If somebody has done something wrong and has broken the law, then the authority should be notified. And the law will run its course. I'm not saying just a blanket forgiveness and that, you, that no one has ever... If someone has done something wrong, then people should be notified. But what happens is we do that and then we still hold on to the bitterness and anger. And here's who it destroys. It destroys us. It destroys us. Remember what your job and what his is. His job is to repay. You know what my job is? 
to do good to others. That's what my job is. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbors and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. God's job is to take care of it. My job is to do good unto them. Here's what I would rather do. I want to take care of it and then let God come in and pick up the pieces afterwards. But that's not, the roles are reversed there and that's not how it should be. I will let God take care of it, and I will do good. Jonah is going to continue, and you get an example later on of a gourd that's going to be there, and a worm's going to destroy it, and Jonah's going to be angry because this gourd, this plant is destroyed, and God's going to remind him, well, you're angry about a plant. You cared more about a plant than people. Look at verse number 10 in Jonah chapter 4, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? See, Jonah says this is how things should be handled. These people should be destroyed, and this gourd should be allowed to live. And God's like, Jonah, it's crazy talk. It's 120,000 children down there. They don't know their right hand and their left hand. You want them dead? I love them. That's what he's saying in verse number 10 where he says, Thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow. God's like, I'm the one that made them. We have to deal with this idea of bitterness and wrath. And when anger and wrath and unforgiveness come in, we... We begin to say and do silly things, just like Jonah. Jonah, this should be the greatest event in his life, but instead he's sitting up over a hill, watching the city, waiting for it to be destroyed, and since it's not destroyed, he's saying, God, why don't you just kill me? Why don't you just kill me? It's what bitterness will do. Elizabeth Elliot, maybe you've heard her name before. Her parents were missionaries. She went to Bible college where she met a young man by the name of Jim Elliot. They married and became missionaries to Ecuador. When they got there, they heard of a savage tribe. This tribe, nobody could get near them. Employees for a gas company had been around them, and they were killed. It was said that six out of ten people in the tribe would be killed by a spear. But they felt God was calling them there. They moved to the area with five other missionaries. What they would do is they would get on the plane, the men would, and they would fly the plane over this village, and they would drop gifts to them, and they would try to give them things and, and try to make a friendship there. They established a base where they would fly into it. While they're at the base, a few of the Indians had come to their location. They began to talk to them the best they could and began to try to communicate with them. But on January 8, 1956, just a few days after that contact, all of the men there were killed. All of them killed. Elizabeth Elliot was there, not at the base, but in Ecuador. Her and her 10-month-old daughter. She stayed. Everyone thought she would leave, but she stayed. And in fact, two years later, her and her daughter go and live with these Indians that had killed her husband. Many get saved. And one of the men that got saved was involved in the murder of those missionaries. And he said this, 
the prayers of the widows themselves are for the Akas. We look forward to the day when these savages will join us in Christian praise. That's what Elizabeth Elliot said. Now, if that's me, I'm praying, God, they need to be judged. God, they, they killed my spouse. But that wasn't her. You know why? Because she realized what her job was and what God was. See, God would take care of it. Her job was to do good unto them. In my life, I've got to realize what my job is and what God's is when it comes to vengeance. God will take care of it. I must do good. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for your word. I pray that you would help each one of us in this area that we've looked at, dealing with forgiveness and bitterness. God, if there is somebody, if there's a Nineveh in our life, if there's somebody that we are just struggling to forgive, if there's somebody that we're just angry with, God, would you help us to realize what our job is and what yours is? God, it's not easy. But I pray that you would help us to, to get the help, to get the, the counsel that we would need to get things right in our lives. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for being a part of the uh, service tonight. And uh, I encourage you to be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We'll have the kids' classes going on. We will have the youth classes going on. And the adults will be right here in the auditorium. We'll look forward to meeting together again Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Hope you have a great rest of your night.